by a hole in the floor. She barely notices the citizens who have come to stare. The pallbearers walk up the nave, the coffin on their shoulders balanced like a case for a loot. By the looks on their faces, you might have thought a few of them have reservations about this funeral. It will be Pelicorn's doing, she supposes. Same old poison in the ear. Normally, processions like this are in tight order. The burgomasters at the top, and the common folk beneath, but on this day no one has bothered. The woman supposes that there's never been a body like it in any of God's houses within the compass of this city. She loves its rare, defiant quality. Founded on risk, Amsterdam now craves certainty, a neat passage through life, guarding the comfort of its money with dull obedience. I should have left before today, she thinks. Death has come too close. The circle breaks apart as the pallbearers push their way in. As the coffin is lowered into the hole without ceremony, the girl moves towards the edge. She tosses a posy of flowers down into the dark, and a starling beats its wings, scaling up the church's whitewashed wall. Heads turn, distracted, but the girl does not flinch. And neither does the woman in the choir stall, both of them watching the arc of petals as Pelicorn intones his final prayer. As the pallbearers slide the new slab into place, a maidservant kneels by the vanishing dark. She starts to sob, and when the exhausted girl does nothing to check these rising tears, this lack of dignity and order is noted with a tut. Two women, dressed in silk, stand near the choir stall and whisper between themselves. That kind of behaviour is why we're here in the first place, one murmurs. If they're like this in public, they must behave like wild animals indoors, her friend replies. True, but what I wouldn't give to be a fly on that wall. Bzz, bzz. They stifle a giggle, and in the choir stall the woman notices how her knuckle has turned white upon the moral misery cord. With the church floor sealed once again, the circle dissolves, the dead at bay. The girl, like a stained-glass saint fallen from the church's window, acknowledges the uninvited hypocrites. These people start to chatter as they exit towards the city's winding streets, followed eventually by the girl and her maid who move silently, arm in arm along the nave and out. Most of the men will be going back to their desks and counters because keeping Amsterdam afloat takes constant work. Hard grind got us the glory, the saying goes, but sloth will slide us back into the sea. And these days, the rising waters feel so near. Once the church is empty, the woman emerges from the choir stall. She hurries, not wanting to be discovered. Things can change, she says, her voice whispering off the walls. When she finds the newly laid slab, she sees it is a rushed job, the granite still warmer than the other graves, the chiselled words still dusty. That these events have come to pass should be unbelievable. She kneels and reaches in her pocket to complete what she has started. This is her own prayer a miniature house small enough to sit in the palm. Nine rooms and five human figures are carved within, the craftsmanship so intricate, worked outside of time. Carefully, the woman places this offering where she had always intended it to lie, blessing the cool granite with her toughened fingers.
As she pushes open the church door, she looks instinctively for the broad-brimmed hat, the cloak of Pelicorn, the silken women. All have vanished, and she could be alone in the world were it not for the noise of the trapped starling. It is time to leave, but for a moment the woman holds the door open for the bird. Sensing her effort, instead it flaps away behind the pulpit. She closes away the church's cool interior, turning to face the sun, heading from the ringed canals toward the sea. Starling, she thinks, if you believe that building is the safer spot, then I am not the one to set you free. Part 1 Mid-October, 1686, the Herengracht Canal, Amsterdam be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Proverbs 23, verse 3.